trending news right now. What's happened in social media in the last 24 hours? Busisiwe Khatebe, our SABC digital content writer and social commentator, is here to unpack that. How are you, Khatebe, this morning? <laughs> I'm good, thank you. How are right, you? We just have to be good eh, with everything that's going on. I don't even know anymore. How how do we go on without being good and just being we happy? We have to. We have to just keep it moving. Absolutely. How was the weekend? It was it was lovely and quiet. Yes, um, yeah, I rested. Nice. So yeah, it was well appreciated. That's great. Okay, talking about uh, big things happening in the U.S., the Emmys 2021, uh, mm-hmm. the awards took place, and uh, quite a few uh, winners. Netflix, uh, I see, taking the lead in terms of a lot of series from the network winning, uh, and then Cedric the Entertainer was the host. Let's start yeah. uh, maybe with the issue of, or in, well, it's not an issue, it's a good, good one, that Netflix is taking over. And I guess maybe this shines the spotlight on how other networks have to now catch up. It's very good. I think it's, it's very good that, you know, um, a company like Netflix can, you know, come through and be recognized and also have um, shows that are worthy of an Emmy nod or an Emmy nomination and a win. So it's quite good. It's giving um, other networks a run for their money. And it shows that, you know, a lot of people are now streaming. Um, They don't necessarily rely on having a TV to watch uh, shows, but, you know, they can watch it via their mobiles or their laptops. It's a digital era. So, Uh. yeah. Yeah, it is a digital era. I don't know what it will mean for the normal t- television networks because we're all streaming. And I think everyone wants that entertainment, especially given the times that we've been in lockdown, staying at home. We we actually started to scrutinize the content we have on television, right? Absolutely. And, you know, the net, Netflix is bringing a, a variety of, of content. It's not the same old thing that we are used to. So let's talk The Crown then, because they won Best Drama Series that's, uh, that airs on Netflix. Do you think it's uh, really about the production here, or is it the storyline? Because the story is quite a big one. It talks of uh, Prince Charles's romance with Princess Diana and uh, just about the British royal family. Because I always wonder, you know, in terms of who wins these awards, is it the acting and the directing, or is it the storyline? I think with The Crown, it's, it's, it's possible that it was the storyline, because we, we, most people in the world are just glued on anything that has to do with the royal family and um, any any gossip, you know, because they they're very private and they and they like they choose what the public should see. So you know, anything that's going to show scandals. I remember the time when Oprah was interviewing um, uh, Meghan and. Um, Prince Harry, mm. and you know the the things that were being revealed. People were just loving it, you know, just hearing all the drama behind the scenes. So I think it's the storyline. But you know, I thought there was um, also like a lot of criticism that mm. was leveled against um, the Emmys on social media, such as you know the lack of diversity um, that people are complaining about. That still today. Yes, you know, the other series and um, other actors were winning, but it, there was a lack of diversity where black people were mm. not winning. Yeah. Do you think maybe that's why then they put Cedric the Entertainer, who was a black entertainer, an actor, comedian, to host, so that there isn't that complaint that there wasn't black representation? 
or enough? That's another issue, Asa. Yeah. <laughs> there was also criticism against uh, um, Cedric the Entertainer and people complaining about his, you know, his jokes, saying, you know, some things that he was saying were inappropriate. So there was there was also the criticism of the lack of COVID regulations or restrictions. But, you know, they did say that everyone in attendance had tested negative for yeah. eight hours before. And because they are in the entertainment industry, they are all fully vaccinated. And, so, they, yeah, they yeah. had to present their vaccination um, proof, right? Yes, 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 definitely. And also the proof of the negative test. Yeah, we live in different times. I mean, it's definitely uh, going to be a different one anyway. What what are the issues with Cedric the Entertainer? I don't know if maybe is it because he's an old school comedian that maybe uh, people were not relating to his jokes. I didn't actually see, you know, the actual awards. Um, so what happened, I, I didn't really see also, but from the comments on social media, they didn't appreciate some of the jokes he made about the royal family. And I think you are right. You know, Cedric the Entertainer is not your new school comedian. He's very old school. And mm. it depends also with the crowd that was, you yeah. know, that is the majority watching the show. Maybe, you know, they don't understand his jokes. Maybe they don't get his jokes. Okay, but I mean, there was a little bit then, I guess, of black representation. RuPaul making yes. Emmy history, that American drag queen, actor, uh, model, TV personality, does everything, is even an author. So yes. so he made history by becoming the most awarded uh, person of color with 11 wins. Surely we can celebrate that. Definitely, we can celebrate him. And also Michaela Cole, because she won Outstanding Writing um, for her anthology series, I May Destroy You. Um, so, but you know, as are they complaining that you know for the big, uh, for the big uh, titles, mm. um, there's no representation, such as you know your uh, lead actor, lead actress, you know, um, outstanding drama. So because you know the actors that they thought you know were solid contenders, they were nominated. They included Billy Porter mm. and MK Rodriguez, and the, the significance of the two is that you know. They would also be, besides being people of color, they were also people of the LGBTQ community. Yeah. So, you know, people are expecting, you know, some transformation or, you know, for example, the visa watchers to move on with the times. Yeah. And let's talk, uh, coming back to RuPaul, I mean, his uh, RuPaul's Drag Race, that uh, television show, that's yes. become sort of like a movement as well, I guess. He, he he thanked, you know, some of his participants there saying, you know, these people share their stories and it's very courageous for them to come forward and be so open. Do you think that's why uh, it stayed as relevant as it has and the success of that show is because of maybe that part of it, uh, people just literally peeling off the layers and being bare and having courage on it? I think so, because I've seen some of the episodes and it's actually quite interesting to watch and see, you know, Sometimes you look at, example, drag queens and you're just thinking, ah, oh, it's just men who want to dress up as women. And there are stories, you know, serious uh, stories behind everything. So with this show that um, RuPaul has, you get to see, like you said, people peeling the layers and you, you get to experience what people are going through and why they do things. So um, it's also 
like you 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 said it um, just now, it's it's a big nod for you know diversity. Mm. It's also for the LGBTQI community. So you know sometimes even though we didn't get the major awards, you know that people would say um, that there were some awarding to people of color and people of you know from various communities. Mm. Okay, and another uh, person of color, Debbie Allen that uh, actress, dancer, and choreographer, as well as uh, producer, winning the Governor's uh, Award. And uh, she's also the former member of the President's Committee on the Arts and Humanities. So her impact is quite noted and and noticeable, of course. She's also got a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Uh, This was, uh, what what were you making of this one? I think, you know, it's good that, you know, she's been recognized for everything that she's um, she's been doing. I remember her from fame yes, yes. <laughs> uh, back, back in the day, and um, it's actually good. I mean, I, I thought maybe, you know, things are not moving as fast as people would want them to move, but there is progress where there is recognition for women, people of color, and um, yeah. Yeah. So that was that was that was also good. And as we were saying just earlier, you and I, let's focus on you know the good that is happening because we just have to to find it. It is there. It's quite a big thing though for Debbie Allen. I mean, I know she's already achieved quite a few things because this Governor's Award is presented to those who have outstanding achievement in the arts, science, and and television, having been given last year to Tyler Perry. What do you really know? What she has said about her award? I, I don't know what she had said, but you know, also with that, it just shows that sometimes you, we look for recognition in some places, but then you also get recognition in other places, even higher places. Mm. So I, I don't know what she said, but I think it's it's a wonderful thing, and yes, it's good because a lot of people look up to her. You know, people. Some people be like, oh, she's just a dancer, or she just started out as a dancer, and she she didn't just end there, you know. Um, She's more than a dancer, more than a choreographer, so this is wonderful. Mm. All right, so your uh, best actor went to Jason Sudeikis, who is uh, from Ted Lasso, well, in this particular depiction, and that comedy about the U.S. coach of a British soccer club. And then the best actress going to Kate Winslet for mayor of East Town. Your thoughts on those two? Um, Kate Winslet is a is a very good actress. She looked amazing, also. Yeah. <laughs> um, but she's a she's a great actress, and that's the thing. Like you know, we're saying we focus on the good. Um, besides the Emmys, of course, you know, the representation, all that. They are the, the people who won the awards were also, you know, it's not like they were just. Um, looking pretty on screen and not doing anything. They are actually exceptional um, performers and they're good at their craft. Mm. So um, I'm happy for Kate. Uh, Yeah. All right, let's come back to the country then. Uh, Well, it's our country being related to international issues because the UK has decided to keep South Africa on its red list and the Department Mm. of International Relations and Cooperation has expressed they discontent on this. Your thoughts? I mean, you know, we're doing so well, Asa, with, you know, the numbers going down, the vaccinations, people, more people are going to vaccinate. And you would think that there isn't much of a big threat of variants 
that have been announced or anything uh, lately. You think that, you know, we get some reprieve and be, you know, moved down to the amber list. Um, because, you know, the the other countries that were moved down are Kenya, Bangladesh, um, you know, mm. amongst others, Egypt, Pakistan. And yes, South Africa has, you know, it, it, it's leading in the continent, you know, with the highest numbers and, and deaths, but it's also leading with those most vaccinations. Um, it has come under fire, the UK. And, you know, the funny mm. thing is the UK Commission then tweeted, so based in, in Pretoria, they tweeted and um, they said they recognized the positive developments in South African cases going down. Um, there is data on variants of concern improving and vaccinations rising. And then they said the continued presence of beta, given its potential ability to circumvent vaccines. Yo, people were not having it after the like beta. It doesn't even <laughs> make sense, beta, really. Right? Uh, it doesn't it make sense. Delta. <laughs> uh, nothing makes sense. I mean, 16 million of our population has been uh, jabbed. And only 3.3% exactly. of 3.3 million of Kenyans are uh, jabbed. 1.6% exactly. of their population compared to our 13.5%. I wonder if anybody has directly asked them that question in terms of that decision on the side of the UK. It makes no sense. It doesn't make sense at all. Um, and even this reasoning, I, I don't even know why the, the High Commission actually decided to tweet what they tweeted. Um, because, you know, they they were not factual in their tweets. It just didn't make sense. And you know what? Um, another thing that doesn't make sense, Arthur, is that if you're vaccinated, you still need to quarantine for, for 11 nights at your own cost and also, um, you know, undergo tests at your own cost. And the 11 nights at the quarantine hotels or whatever those places are can go up to 46,000 rand. So they're not even saying, you guys who have not vaccinated, you're not welcomed. But fully vaccinated people are still going to be subjected to, to quarantine. It doesn't make sense at all. And that's the thing, because, I mean, now countries are going, you know, the route of saying, but, you know, people are not traveling anyway much because of all these things that you just mentioned. So why not just ease these restrictions? The UK now going left, they're going the opposite direction of most world leaders. Yes. Um, and they really are going under fire because not only did they have uh, South Africa in the red list, it's like currently 62 countries, including the UAE um, and other countries, because of the, the, the COVID restrictions, it affected the traveling. And, you know, the UK and South Africa, the traveling in between has been severely affected. When you look at the UAE, they've now relaxed you know, some of the restrictions and um, some other countries also in Europe have relaxed their restrictions towards South Africa. Obviously, you have to test before you go and then when you arrive there, you have to test. Some do still allow for quarantine, others don't. So there are measures that can be put in place um, if you want to ensure that, you know, allowing South Africans in the country will not uh, will not spread the, the, the virus even more. There are stringent um, restrictions that you can put in place, but this remaining on the red list is not good at all. And it is costing the UK a lot of money because they are losing money in tourism and other sectors. 
yeah. Of and there are business women and men who do work and conduct work there in the UK who need to travel yes. into the country. The the Minister of Durko, Naredi Pandu, saying that government is puzzled at this decision because she had recently held talks with a UK counterpart. Do you think these mean that it means this, these talks were, were fruitless or there could be a, a mind change then on the side of uh, the UK? I think they were fruitless, Asa, because what were they discussing then if after these talks then the UK will still say, you know what, uh, you're still on the red list. What what were they discussing in the first place? I mean, what were the conclusions? Because now uh, Durko is sounding like they, are, they were blindsided, as if, you know, they were not expecting this. It's like yes. they, they, they surprised. Um, they're saying they're very disappointed and they firmly believe there's no reasonable basis for keeping South Africa on the red list. So I, I think they were fruitless. Like, what do, what do they uh, discuss? And it was so surprising, I said, to actually see that from the UK. Um, it's very surprising, very surprising. Should we do a tit for tat and say no UK is uh, coming into the country or the British coming into the country either? I think we should. I think South Africa, you know, we've been placed on, understandably, they're going to say, no, you know, we need to recover uh, financially, economically, you know, the tourism. But why don't we put uh, countries that have put us on red list, we put them also on red list. Whatever restrictions that they're putting upon us, then we put it upon them. Because a lot of people do want to come to, you know, um, South Africa or the continent to to. A lot of our tourists um, is said to be from the UK. So, you know, let's let's do the same as well. All right, let's talk hashtag IEC now. Uh, over 1 million people registered over the weekend. This is a good number, and I think voter yes. registration uh, weekend was a good response. Your thoughts and the fact that more young people, 91%, came forward. Yes. I think it's wonderful. Um, young people, they, they say from ages six, between the ages 16 and 29, and they accounted for more than 400,000 new registrations, which is great. Uh, people actually went out in numbers. I think this shows that a lot of people are not happy, Hasa, mm. because of uh, service delivery, the lack of service delivery. We hear, you know, you were recently, just now, not even recently, a few minutes ago, talking about, you know, the Pitletrine um, case mm. of that young boy, um, Pitletrines are still a reality in this country and not just one province. Housing, the lack of housing, yeah. um, you know, a lot of issues, potholes, um, the ESCOM, electricity. Right now, you know, have, I don't know if you've noticed, right now, you know, it's kind of quiet. The <laughs> load shedding is a bit on pause. Yeah. I don't know if it's a build up to the elections, but now the politicians are coming out in numbers. We promised this, we promised that. There's no consistency, Asa. So I think a lot of people want to make a, a difference when they vote. Maybe they want to vote independent candidates or give other political parties a chance. And maybe also, I mean, these groups of people, 16 to 29-year-olds, are not people yeah. with necessarily a history in, at the back of their minds in terms of our leadership in the country. They're looking at things currently. Whereas, you know, yeah. I mean, we've heard a lot of uh, complaints about the ANC being led by a lot of older people and, and you know, there's no fresh or young blood there. These people are not mm-hmm. going to look at history and how far we've come. They're looking at what's happening now. Should the ANC be worried as the governing party? 
I think they should be worried. Besides having the internal squabbles that they have and, you know, issues with... Yes, just yesterday, Asa, Mpumalanga, there was some service delivery protests. One of them is the one community they do not approve of the councillor that has been nominated for them. They're saying they were not consulted. And you're seeing a lot of that where people are like, we don't want this councillor. We were not uh, approached. We were not consulted. And when you look at the people who are protesting, like you mentioned, it's actually young people. Um, they're not being sentimental like the old people, uh, like you're saying. They're not seeing it as um, what happened back then. They are seeing the challenges that they are facing right now. Unemployment is high. Even if you graduate with a degree or diploma, you still remain in the unemployed list. So I think you, you see a lot of young people who are just tired and they want to see a change. The ANC should be worried, Asa. KwaZulu-Natal and Gauteng being the provinces that recorded the highest number of registrations, those are also the provinces where there was some recent looting. What does that mean? How do you translate that? Um, And like you mentioned, KZN, and you know, we were discussing this last week on the political uh, violence um, that's happening. Mm. So you're probably seeing a lot of people saying, you know, all of this is just not going to continue all these protests. We can't just keep protesting and nothing's been done. How about we protest by going to the poll? I'd like to believe that's what yeah, they're thinking. Yeah. Let's protest by voting. And another thing that I like is that the Eastern Cape is what is in third yeah. uh, with the highest. Um, and yeah, you see a lot of Besides the the housing, the KZN and the Eastern Cape, you see a lot of the issues that we mentioned, such as, you know, the lack of housing and the lack of service delivery in many places um, in these provinces. So I'm hoping, you know, this is a sign of maybe we're going to see some shaking in the um, in the people that will be voted in. Hopefully, maybe independents will be given a chance, you know. Um, maybe people are thinking, better try someone new who can, you know, do something. And there are a lot of new political parties also. Uh, maybe they'll gain some numbers. Yeah. Uh, that's just on another hand. I mean, well, s- similar topic, but talking the Democratic Alliance now, the Constitutional Court on Monday dismissing their application, the DA's application, to set aside the IEC's decision to reopen yes. candidate registrations for their elections. Uh, maybe looking at Canada's example, they've been campaigning and they just had 36 days to campaign and yet elections go ahead there. Also Russia, who was dealing with floods over and above COVID, and they still yes. had their elections. Uh, do you think yes. maybe that was those were the examples that uh, Democratic Alliance could use? I think so. Even uh, Zambia recently, they had COVID, but they just had concluded the election. Mm. And, you know, the DA, it, it makes, they say they'll accept the judgment, but they're going to be watching the IEC like a hawk. They don't want to see, it, it, it doesn't, it should not look like, you know, the IEC is favoring certain parties because, you know, the IFP was agreeing with the DA. Um, the ANC this time was found lagging behind. You know, with the candidate uh, registration and nomination list and everything. So the DA seems like they are prepared. Mm. Um, so it wasn't just ANC, it was also the UDM. Um, they also, you know, uh, welcomed this judgment because it, it favored them to, you know, re-register and take advantage of the open line. So 
I think so. Uh, the DA had some good points. Like you had enough time. Um, mm. This thing of um, the Judge Musenike report wasn't supposed to just make people relax um, when he recommended that maybe the election should be postponed because there wasn't a guarantee that uh, the Constitutional Court or whichever court was going to rule in favor of the election being postponed, namely because, like you mentioned, Russia, you know, they, they experienced COVID, they, they having the elections, then they had the elections. Many countries um, in the continent and, and in, in, in the world had elections during the pandemic. Mm. So, you know, um, I don't know what happened, but they, they relaxed a bit, you know, the other parties. They took it for granted, I think. Well, the candidate nomination process closing today at uh, five. And uh, that final list then will be published on 29 September. Just finally congratulating the Blitzborger, the Springbok Sevens mm. team, winning a tournament in Vancouver in Canada. The Canada's busy. It's voting on one side. On the other, there's <laughs> rugby happening. Uh, but, but anyway, South Africa won uh, 38 uh, to 5 over Kenya. Yes, which was, it was great news. After, after the Springboks were, were humbled by the Wallabies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So this was Great, great news. Um, yeah, they they played really well. And which this is um, the wonderful thing is that um, it's not their first time winning um, uh, this uh, series. And they did it before in 2019. And it was the last time it was played before, you know, COVID happened and the pandemic and all these lockdowns. And then they won six matches then and then again. This year, they won six matches. So it was wonderful. The coach is super proud of the boys. Mm. And it was just wonderful to see that. It's really wonderful, Asa, when mm-hmm. we see our, our our teams winning. Yeah. Well, at least uh, Kenya, I guess, because they're off the red list of the UK and we're still on there. <laughs> so we won something. We won the rugby while they won being on the list with the UK. So it balances. There we go. <laughs> How did you take it there, Asa? <laughs> Everybody wins somehow, some way. Eh? There's always by a way. The way of, yeah. By the way, talking about red carpets, Asa, you were looking stunning at uh, <laughs> the Royal Sophie Awards. Thank you and so much. Judge, wow, you look, you look absolutely amazing. Thank you, thank you so much. I had so much fun. I mean, it was amazing. I just also think to be reminded of the talent we have in this country. We're talking about the yes. Emmys, but we, I guess that's our own. Uh, celebration of our artists and the great work that's been put in so many of these uh, productions. I mean, I'm not a soapy person, I'll be honest. I don't normally watch, but I was, you know, obviously watching during the judging process and I was blown away. Absolutely blown away. I think it's good that you don't usually watch and you're a judge because then you've got these fresh eyes to, you know, to see, you know, who's deserving and who's not. Obviously, everyone is deserving because, you know, they put in a lot of work and effort, but... Uh, I think so. When when are we going to be able to see them in October? So it will be on the second of October on SABC One. That's the okay. the event will be airing there. Yeah, but it was great. It was awesome. Thank you so much. We see you Let's leave it there um, uh, for now. <laughs> Have a great Tuesday. Thank you. You too. All right. Khatebes, SABC digital content writer, social commentator, discussing trending topics here on SFM Sound Awake. Our time is.